Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Is it just me or is everyone you know getting sick right now? I'm Sasha Ann Simons and from WBEZ Chicago, this is Reset. Three years ago, it was the start of a new decade. At this point, early January, we were just starting to hear about a deadly new virus spreading in China. Today, with, we hope, the worst of the COVID pandemic behind us, a new COVID outbreak in China is once again a global concern. Meanwhile, here in Chicago, there's a chance that we'll move from medium transmission to high transmission risk for the virus in the coming weeks. The flu and RSV are still a concern, and measles are showing up in the Midwest. Yeah, you heard that right. Dr. Mia Teramina is an infectious disease specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Chicago Public Health Director Dr. Allison Arwady is saying that Chicago could be back at high transmission for COVID in the near future. What are your thoughts? I think we're going to see a lot of pivoting back and forth between medium and high, medium and high. We were in high transmission out here in the suburbs and went back to medium, and it's going to go back up again. You know, we're dealing still with the post-holiday sort of gatherings and aftermath, and now we're getting back to work, and these kids are going back to school. They're going to be in indoor settings, closely interacting with one another, and we're going to see those case counts come up considerably. So I do anticipate that in Chicago and the collar counties, we are going to see uh, at least spans of time where we're back in that high transmission. Well, let's get into the the numbers. Where are we with, with case numbers and positivity rates in the city and the surrounding suburbs? All the numbers are coming up. So we are seeing positivity rates week over week coming up from where they were sort of pre-holidays. Um, and we are seeing case counts kind of nationwide coming up. I, I think there's about a 4% increase uh, this week over last week nationwide looking at, you know, total counts of COVID. And uh, some of the hospitalizations are coming up as well. Not you know, so, so significantly. I think there was about a 9% increase rate in hospitalizations, but not too, too bad. We still have plenty of resources, but we we don't want to get to the point of stressing our systems. Mm -hmm. So what's the risk in our area right now? and, And how does that change for folks who are vaxxed and boosted? Yeah, so regardless if if you had a vaccine or not, which you should be fully vaccinated and boosted at this point, if we are talking about being in an area that's at medium transmission, if you're otherwise immune suppressed, have additional health risk factors, if you're elderly, you should definitely be masking when you are indoors, and you should be masking if you're going to be gathering with groups of people in a, uh, you know, close proximity to one another. If you are in an area of high transmission, regardless of vaccine status, this is something where where masking is going to be universally recommended in indoor settings for all. So it's challenging to kind of figure out if it's medium, it's high, it's going back and forth from one to the other. So the recommendation is just simply to have a mask with you if you're going to be in crowded indoor settings, especially around non-family members and people whose vaccine status you don't know. It would be advisable to have a mask on at this time, especially if you have uh, additional risk factors. There's a a new variant, uh, XBB 1.5. It's dominating the Northeast, but... It's still not the top variant in our area. Is that right? 
you know, it's becoming a, a not the dominant variant, but the doubling time with XBB.1.5 is has been pretty astronomical. We were at about a 20% incidence last week, and this week we're over 40% nationwide. So this is going to be a variant that is showing that there's a high transmissibility. It binds really well to receptor cells, so it's causing infection in a lot of people, even those who have built up some antibodies from previous infection and previous vaccine. Uh, it is definitely one we're keeping an eye on. So do we know if if the latest bivalent booster protects folks against this strain? So our best evidence on that is going to be to look at countries where there's a significant amount of of XBB.1.5 circulating and some other XBB strains, which are offshoots of Omicron BA2, which was our dominant strain last year at this time. So looking at those countries and people that are highly vaccinated with uh, boosters, including the bivalent booster, yes, numbers are coming up in terms of case counts, but we're not seeing corresponding numbers in hospitalizations or severe illnesses or death. So the extrapolation so far is that our bivalent boosters will have at least some additional protection, and everyone should receive them because they are the best you know, proactive measure we have right now mm-hmm. against something like XBB. Now, anecdotally, doctor, it still seems like a lot of school kids are getting sick right now. So give us the latest on the flu and on RSV. We're still seeing all three, and we're seeing all three in kids as well. You know, fortunately, a lot of these kids are not becoming sick enough to be hospitalized with COVID, flu, or RSV. But I'm seeing so many cases of one after another where kids are down and out for three or four days with influenza. They seem to get better, and two or three days later, they have a high fever again, back at the pediatrician's office, and now they're testing positive for RSV. So we're just seeing these immune systems kidding the one-two punch, especially in these kids. And I anticipate we're going to see more of that as kids go back to school in the next couple of weeks. We're just, what's going around is going around. And a lot of these kids have not had flu or RSV over the last couple of years because of masking, social distancing, and even times where schools were closed down. So exposure to viruses their little bodies haven't seen for a year or two or perhaps ever is, is certainly showing itself in the case counts. So with, with COVID, the flu, and RSV where they're at, when and where are you recommending that people mask? So it's challenging because I think we have this whole idea of just being very uh, tired and fatigued with wearing masks. By my view, I think that especially if you have a child going back to school who otherwise has underlying health issues, for the best protection to keep that child in school as safe as they could be, you would consider a a close-fitting mask like an N95 or KN95 for that child when they're especially gathering in groups or in close proximity to their peers in school. For those of us who are adults returning to work, maybe we've been off over the holidays, masking is very reasonable, especially, you know, in those periods of time after you've gathered closely with others while you're perhaps monitoring yourself for symptoms. We also have the ability to throw in the additional mitigation of testing and screening if we are having any symptoms and staying home if we're not feeling well. Well, here's a sort of specific question for you, doctor, but it's it's one that could be illuminating. I've been hearing from friends that their kids have a uh, continue have they've actually continued to mask up when they're in daycare unlike just about every other kid they did not get sick so far this winter but let's just say that those kids eventually take off the masks in school is it just a matter of time before they get hit 
You know, not necessarily. It all depends on vaccine status, um, other underlying health issues. Certainly, we're seeing an unfortunate example of what's going on in China right now with where we have the extreme measures of social distancing and the extreme measures of, of uh, keeping people away from one another, coupled with vaccines that don't work as well. Um, and then you send people out into the wild, and you're going to see a significant number of people uh, that are getting infected. I find that many people that are continuing to mask tend to be fans of mitigation strategies and have been following all the public health protocols all along. So those same children are likely to be fully vaccinated as well. So taking a mask off when we are at a lower or medium transmission may be less of a risk, and it won't necessarily be uh, just a matter of time before the kids get sick. But masks do work and they do help. Doctor, the, the Washington Post recently reported on a rapidly growing outbreak of measles in Columbus, Ohio. The majority of the 82 children that were infected are old enough to have gotten their vaccines, but their parents just chose not to. What do you think about that? We are seeing more vaccine hesitancy now than I've seen in my entire career. And a lot of it is coming from COVID um, because of some level of distrust of vaccines and some certainly uh, political opinions. But it's less of about um, the efficacy of the vaccines and their role in public health. And I feel it's more about uh, patients trying to, um, you know, have their civil liberties and their body autonomy, which I can respect. But when it comes to a matter of public health and trying to be the best parents we can be for our kids. Uh, These vaccines are safe and effective, and certainly MMR vaccines, which have been around since the 1960s, are incredibly tried and true. Measles is so unbelievably contagious. It's probably the most contagious virus uh, out there. And Mm -hmm. when you have something that is likely to infect as many as 18 additional people for every one person that's infected, and you have a single positive measles case amongst a group of children who are unvaccinated or undervaccinated, there categorically will be outbreaks. And these pockets of unvaccinated folks, when we start to have 10, 15, 20 percent of the children in a given demographic who are not vaccinated, we're going to see outbreaks and we're going to see them more and more. Well, given the numbers in that outbreak in in Columbus, do people in the Chicago area need to worry, you think? So I think that if you have uh, taken a uh, pass on vaccines and childhood vaccines, now is the time to speak with your pediatrician about kind of getting uh, back on schedule and getting these vaccines up to date. For measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine, there should be two doses with the first one given between 12 and 18 months and the other one as a kindergarten booster. So, you know, I think that If you have your child and they are not vaccinated, especially if they are in daycare or settings, they're going to be at higher risk among other unvaccinated individuals. Getting back to to COVID and and what's happening in in China, doctor, where they're seeing, you know, the spike in in COVID cases after loosening the uh, extremely strict zero COVID policies. What do you make of the restrictions that the U.S. and other governments have put on travelers from China? You know, there's a a lot of ways to look at this, and I think that uh, as a country like the U.S., we had uh, a choice to make that was anywhere from doing nothing and just kind of seeing what happens all the way to completely restricting travel from from China, which is unreasonable. And falling in the middle is the idea of, of getting some testing done with travelers that are within 48 hours of returning back to the United States, and that will be implemented starting tomorrow. The issue with that is it's certainly not going to catch all the cases. In fact, the estimation is that when you do universal screenings like this, you're probably only going to catch around 10% of the positives. 
the goal here is to have a little more time to do genomic testing on these people coming back from China that are testing positive or trying to capture those positive tests early so we can figure out exactly what strains are going around. They're not doing a lot of that testing in China right now, and it's likely whatever variants are spreading are several generations earlier than the variants we're seeing here in the U.S. Mm. And we're trying to stave off another outbreak of something we've seen before that we've moved past and is now becoming what's going around again. Yeah, and it's it's hard to get specific numbers from the Chinese government, too. So, yeah. I mean, if the outbreak were to become severe over there, I, I wonder what it means for the rest of the world. Yeah, the, the outbreak is severe. I mean, even even with conservative estimates, they're looking at um, you know anywhere from five thousand to ten thousand deaths per day right now in China. With estimates wow. saying that there could be a million or more deaths in in a few months' time. Um, you know, to put that into perspective, in the U.S. at the absolute peak of COVID in the last several years, the most we ever saw was around thirty-five to thirty-eight hundred deaths per day, which is already astronomical and impossible to wrap our heads around. So it's just that much higher right now in China. Well, you know, doctor, as you may have heard earlier in the program, Howard Brown health workers, they're in day two of a strike right now. This is after dozens of layoffs. And we know Howard Brown is a leading LGBT plus health center here in Chicago. So I'm curious your perspective of that situation. You know, anytime we have situations that uh, involve, you know, mass layoffs and striking, which certainly um, I'm very uh, pro-union personally, and I want uh, these uh, individuals who provide so many services to have the ability to bargain collectively. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about the patients, and um, these patients need these resources. We've talked before on this program about the possibility and concept of moving towards zero new HIV cases in our lifetime, and that is going to require the counseling, the treatment, the testing, and the services offered by places like Howard Brown. So I I can't imagine uh, being in a a city like Chicago and the services that I've known historically that Howard Brown has offered being limited in any way. We need that infrastructure. It's very critical, and I really hope that they can find some resolution soon because we've got a lot of patients and a lot of very dedicated, albeit burned-out workers Mm -hmm. that uh, deserve to have um, an adequate working environment. We'll leave it there for now. That's infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Termina with Dooley Health and Care. Thank you, doctor. Talk soon. Thank you. This episode of Reset was produced by Michael Liptrot and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather. You know, they say an episode of Reset a day keeps the doctor away. Okay, probably not, but it will keep you up to date on everything happening in Chicago and the world. So hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. Okay, that'll do it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.